Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We thank you because I'm anointed to receive and to gather, Father God, our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come through your word. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Alright, I'd like to welcome everyone this evening as we uh, bring to a conclusion our teaching on praying out God's plan. And we started by talking about praying out God's will or God's plan for our lives. And then we also went on to praying out God's plan for our loved ones. And today I consider this a very important um, subject and important teaching as we talk about praying out God's plan for the nation or our communities. And this is very important because most times um, believers must come to the place of maturity to pray out the plan of God and not just their will. I think that's a major battle and uh, I think one of the strength of maturity for the believer is learning to pray out the will of God and not just your desires. And when it comes to the nation also or our our various communities, we also find people struggling with this. Um, They want to impose their desire or they want to impose their will upon the community. And this is very common when it comes to the time of elections. You know, people have their preferred candidates, whether the candidate is Muslim or Christian or <clears throat> whatever, depending on the nation. But it's important for us to find out what the will of God is for our community, what the will of God is for our land, what the will of God is for our nation, and to pray out the will of God. Now, I want to start by on, um, talking about understanding the heart of God for the nations and your place in the nation. Okay, understanding the heart of God for the nations and your place in the nation. Now, if you go to Acts chapter 17 and verse 26, Acts chapter 17 and verse 26, if you look at the NIV version, it says, For one man, from one man, he made all the nations. From one man, he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. From one man, he made, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He decided beforehand, he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Okay, so the NIV says, he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. Now, so you realize we find four things here. Number one, God made all nations. Number two, he made them to inhabit the whole earth. Number three, he marked out their appointed times in history. And number four, he marked out the boundaries of their land. So we understand that the nations, their boundaries, their appointed times in history is not without the foreknowledge of God. Praise God. Now the NLT says, from what man... He created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided 
beforehand when they should rise and fall. And he determined their boundaries. The ESV, the English Standard Version says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So we understand from Acts chapter 17 verse 26 that God determined the boundaries of the nations, the places they should stay and their place in history. Praise God. Praise God. Now, that's very key. Our having an understanding of this will know that we are not in Nigeria, for instance, you're not in Kenya, you're not in South Africa, you're not wherever you are, um, by mistake. There is a purpose. And God had already ordained beforehand things that should take place in these nations. And it is left for the believers to collaborate with God, to partner with God, to be able to cause this plan and this purpose to come to pass. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 8, it says, when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided the sons of men, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the numbers of the Son of God. I mean, it says, when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided the sons of men, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. So I, I want us to get something here, and that's very important. Nations are important to God. God set their boundaries. God put them in place. And God, you know when we say John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, everybody in the world belongs to a nation. Everybody in the world belongs to a geographical place. And so God has a predetermined purpose for every nation. And it's the same way. The enemy also wants the... Um, how do I put it now? The enemy also wants to invade the nations and cause havoc in the nations. Praise God. So it's important for us to understand that God wants to get into the nations, build the nations, and cause the nations to fulfill their prophetic purpose. Now, let's go to Job chapter 12 and verse 23. Job chapter 12 and verse 23. The Bible says, He makes nations great. He makes nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations and sends them away. Now, what we've read in Acts chapter 17 verse 26, in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 8, in Job chapter 12 and verse 23, shows us that God has a plan and God has a purpose for the nations. God has a plan and God has a purpose for the nations. And God has determined from the beginning of time what He wants to accomplish in the nations. And so, when we get into the place of prayer, we're not just praying our desires, we're not just praying our plan, we're praying the plan of God for the nations. Praise God. Now, if you go to Psalm 74 and verse 17. Psalm 74 and verse 17. It says, You set all the boundaries of the earth. You set all the boundaries of the earth. You made the summer and winter. You made the summer and winter. 
So we can see from the above scriptures that we've read that God is interested in the nations. That God wills that the nations will experience His power. Now, it's important for us to know that regardless of what is happening in the world right now, God's got a plan for the nations. And that's where we need to labor. That's where we need to come into uh, into what God desires for us to be able to birth that which God wants to do in the nations. Praise God. Now, very interesting uh, passage in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 7. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 7. And I'm going to read uh, three translations and I want you to just pick something from there. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 7. It says, Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Now, this is talking about the children of Israel that were sent into exile. And, and Jeremiah was given the prophetic word as the plan of God. Praise God. So he says, Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Now, I want you to understand this. If the nations, the nation of Israel, was carried to exile, then one of the things that's going to happen is that they're going to develop hatred for, for Babylon. Right, they're going to develop hatred. Nobody's going to love the city that carried them into exile. And so they are going to um, kind of like develop hatred for Babylon. But what God said is, listen, I want you to pray to the Lord for it. He didn't say, I want you to pray against it. He said, I want you to intercede for it. Why? He says, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. That's very important. Now, currently we can't have church services... Um, or there's a limited number, or um, in some places, we're experiencing total lockdown. And the reason is because of what's going on in the world. And so, we cannot, even as a church, we cannot, even as believers, remove ourselves from the happenings on the earth. Whatever happens on the earth, to some extent, will affect even the believers. I remember, I was thinking some time ago, there was famine in the land. And um, because there was famine in the land, God, or God had to specially feel Elijah the prophet. Now, I believe that there were so many people in the land at that time who <clears throat> struggled to get meals. Not everybody was supernaturally fed by ravens. It's the same thing. When the government issues a policy, when, when the government... Of the day that Jesus was born, Herod said all the male children should be killed. You know, God had to supernaturally take Jesus to Egypt <laughs> to be kept and to be preserved. So you realize, uh, and that even for prophecy to come to pass, the, uh, the, the ruler of that day had to issue a decree that everybody should go to their hometown to register. So I want you to say this. <clears throat> we cannot divorce ourselves from the happenings in our nation. We cannot divorce ourselves from the happening around us. 
And if we cannot divorce ourselves from the happening around us, then it becomes important that we take charge of what happens in the place of prayer. That we get the mind of God for our nation, we get the mind of God for our city, and we pray it out. Praise God. Now, interestingly, we look at the NLT translation. It says, And walk for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Its welfare will determine your welfare. So you realize that there are some nations that are extremely poor, and a lot of people there go through poverty. I, I mean, I'm going to read a story to you of a city in Guatemala and what prayers did to restore and reshape the economy of that city and the life of that city. I believe, and, and it's happened in Uganda also, uh, when the nation began to pray and drastically impact on the HIV AIDS rate in that nation and it began to drop. You know, I believe that by the Spirit of God, believers can get together and change the configuration of nations the configuration of cities, the configuration of the communities where they are in. See, but the problem we have is that one, I mean, they're praying about one thing, they're confessing one thing. They're praying one thing, they're believing one thing. They're praying one thing, they are expecting another thing. You see, it's important as a child of God that you lift up the city where you're living and pray for it. It's your spiritual obligation. It's a spiritual duty. That's how you birth the kingdom of God. It's not just praying for yourself. It's not just praying for your loved ones. You have a greater responsibility to release the kingdom of God upon your community. Praise God. Alright, now. Um, the English Standard Version. It says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So we see here that God connects them to the city. You see, we must feel connected to the city we're in. We must feel that. We must, we must feel that connection as co-laborers with God for the city, for the place we're living in. If you're working there, if you're living in there, <clears throat> wherever you are, you are in a geographical location. There is a connection between you and that geography. And you've got to spend time praying the will of God for that. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Now, let's go to Daniel chapter 2 verse 21. Daniel 2 21. He changes times and seasons. He disposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He changes times and seasons. He disposes kings and raises up others. <clears throat> he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. So we know that God has the capacity to change kings. And God also has the capacity to change times and seasons. And so when we come into the place of intercession and prayer, we are collaborating with God to alternate things on the earth for the entrance of his word and the entrance of his kingdom. Glory to God. Alright, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. 
First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Alright. First Timothy 2 1. It says, And I ought then, now look at the word first of all. The word first is first in order of importance, proton, ranking, what should come before others. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So God expects us to get involved in praying. Prayer is not something you should, where I feel like praying, I don't feel like praying. No, prayer is God's assignment for the believer. Through prayer, we get things to happen on the earth. And I'm just thinking of this, that a lot of believers do not pray because they do not believe that God can and will answer their prayers. If the children of God actually believe that God will answer and can answer their prayers, I'll tell you the truth, I tell you the truth, they will pray more than anyone else. For instance, when we look at our city, we can tell ourselves, does God want to change this city? And if the answer is yes, what's the primary way through which God wants to change the city? God wants to use the children of God to bear His purpose in the city by the instrumentation of prayer. And if we understand that, nobody is going to encourage us to pray for our city. Nobody is going to encourage us to pray for the nation we're in. We're going to spend time to pray for that nation. Praise God. So he said, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Verse 2, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So look at this. <clears throat> it ties our prayer to the quality of life we re- we, we're going to live. I mean, we've read that in the, we've read that in the Old Testament when we read in the book of Jeremiah 29. Now this is the New Testament. This is 1st Timothy. This is Pauline epistle writing to Timothy. 1st Timothy chapter 2. Now he says, first of all, then I urge that entreaties, prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. Verse 2, for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So, I mean, we, we cannot run away from the fact that the type of leaders we have will determine the kind of life we're living. And God says, listen, I want you to get into intercession for them. I want you to pray for them. Now, what are some of the things we can pray for them? Verse 3 says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Praise God. So praying for kings and praying for those in authority is a good thing. What is the good thing? It says, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So, God gives us the prototype of how we should pray here. The first thing he prays, he says, let's pray for all those in authority. And as we're praying for those in authority, let us, first of all, pray that they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Who desires 
all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, when we are praying for our communities and we are praying for our nation, the first thing we need to pray is praying that our leaders will come to the knowledge of Jesus. Now, we need to drop the balance here because, <laughs> you know, sometimes people, I mean, politically, sometimes Christians can be very deceived. Somebody comes bearing a Christian name or, uh, as it is in our nation, comes from the southern part of Nigeria, and automatically everybody's just going and saying, you know what, ah, this is the person who should govern. This is a Christian. This is a child of God. Listen, the truth of the matter is this. <clears throat> Many people who bear Christian names, who go to church, they're not living according to the principles of God's word. They're not different from somebody who is in another faith. They're not. Because when they go there, corruption is still high, and... Um, <laughs> um, all kinds of evils still continue. So, we don't just feel that because somebody's bearing John the Baptist or because somebody's bearing Paul, that when he becomes a governor, everything is going to be okay. No. We get into intercession and pray for their salvation and that they come into the knowledge of the truth. Because if this happens, then they will actually begin to lead in righteousness. Just like when Joseph began to lead in Egypt, what happened? You realize that when Joseph began to lead in Egypt, there was prosperity, there was increase, there was growth. Because a righteous man was in the place of authority. So we're not just going by, oh, this person is from the north, this person is from the south, this person is from my village, and therefore I'm praying that he should win the election. No, that's not what we're praying. We're praying that the mind of God should come to pass. We're praying that the will of God should come to pass. Now, of course, uh, it's important for us to... And this is what I said, right? Regardless of who comes into the place of authority, and sometimes regardless of how they come, we now have a responsibility to pray for them. Of course, we believe, and the best method is for people to come because uh, they've been chosen properly, they've been elected properly. But when I have a president over my nation, when I have a king over my community, when I have a governor over my state, I now have a responsibility, according to Paul, First of all, to pray for their salvation. That they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. So, we have that responsibility to pray for those in authority. That they should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. So, when we start praying for kings and those in authority, we don't start out by just praying that they should be prosperous and blessed and so that they will bring economic prosperity to us. No. What we pray is that they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. That they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. That is the first prayer point. That they will be born again and they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And one of the things we can pray about also is that God will send laborers into their lives. <clears throat> Praise God. Because the Bible talks about God sending laborers to the harvest field. Those are people who are ripe for harvest. Who needs the gospel not just so they can go to church to do thanksgiving once in a year, but so that they can live the life of God. And as they live the life of God, God is able to use them to birth His purpose. And I want to say this also. Regardless of the fact of whether a man is born again or not born again, God can use them to accomplish His purpose. God said to Cyrus that He has anointed Cyrus to do certain things for the children of Israel. Now we know Cyrus was not born again, but God in His sovereignty used him 
to accomplish a purpose. So, the, the prayers for those in authority is not restricted to whether a man is born again or not. Once he occupies that office, that office demands that the believer gets into intercession for him. Because just as the, the Holy Ghost and God wants a man they can use to effect their purpose on the earth, the enemy also wants people they can use to bring destruction and war and famine and crisis upon the earth. Praise the name of the Lord. Alright. Now let's go to Proverbs chapter 11 and verse Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 10. Proverbs eleven ten. It says, When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. <laughs> I remember, you know, this happening in our nation at one time when one particular president, uh, we heard that it was a military president. It was a very wicked military president. <laughs> We heard the man had passed on. Praise God. I mean, the streets were full. People were rejoicing. I've never seen people rejoice at the death of a president like that particular man. And this is, you know, this is scriptures. Scripture says, when the righteous prosper, the city will rejoice. But when the wicked perish, there will be chance of joy. <laughs> Glory to God. Praise God. Verse 11. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. I need you to follow this. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. So, two things are playing out here. It says, through the blessing of the upright, the Good News Translation says, a city becomes great when the righteous gives it their blessing. Praise God. But a city is brought to ruin by the words of the wicked. And, And I need you to pay attention to this because... I've heard believers talk so bad about their communities. And you know what they're doing? They are siding with the devil and with wicked people to bring it down. And, 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 and I, I'm telling you, with Nigeria, I think the devil has excess soldiers. Yes, man. I mean, the average person talks bad about the nation. The average person doesn't bless the country. It curses the country. Curses the leaders. Curses everything. Doesn't bless. But the Bible says the city will become great when the righteous give it their blessing. How will the righteous give it their blessing? The righteous will give it their blessing by praying the will of God into that place. And speaking words of blessing over the city. Praise God. Speaking words of blessing. You know, when I get up in the morning and I step out of my house... I speak the word of blessing over the city that I'm living in. In the name of Jesus, we decree that this city is blessed. And the glory of God overshadows this city. And this place is known as an island of the word. And and I speak the blessing over the city. Acts 3.26 The blessing of salvation is that men will turn from wickedness and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. I mean, this evening, I just want to encourage you that you have a role in shaping the nation. Instead of running out of your country, why don't you shape it by prayers? Why don't you shape it by prayers? We can shape our nation. We can shape our communities by praying the will of God. And I'll tell you this, right? If you would begin to cultivate this, God will begin to speak to you specifically. I remember my dad in the last Maybe four or five elections. 
He's been shown exactly who was going to win the election. He's been shown. I mean, he's not the type of man who would come up publicly and say, this is what the Lord shows me. But, I mean, he shared a lot of those things with me. One particular election, I remember, I was like, no way, this is not going to happen. And it happened exactly as the Lord showed him. So you realize that when you begin to walk with the Lord, the Lord can begin to show you things about your city and things that's going to come to pass in your city and you will begin to intercede about them and begin to pray about them. Now, I want to read you a story from, um, that happened to Brother Hagin. If you, if you look at this book, The Art of Prayer, page 190 to page 191, I just want to read, read the whole of this place. He said, um, so there was a time they were in a prayer meeting and I said to the others, let's pray the Spirit of God keeps moving on me. We prayed and by the Spirit I ministered to each one present. Then I was caught up in the spirit of prayer. For lack of a better term, I was lost in the spirit. I was not unconscious, but I was more conscious of spiritual things. Spiritual things were more real than the natural. I sat with my eyes shut, praying in tongues, for what proved to be several hours. It was just after midnight when we started praying. When it was all over, I opened my eyes, and it was 4 a.m. Yet it seemed as if it had only been 10 or 15 minutes. Now, listen carefully to this. It says, the Lord spoke to me, among other things, he gave me instructions concerning the prayer and healing school. But let's look at this. And I saw something. I saw three things come up out of the Atlantic Ocean. They looked like three giant black frogs as large as will. One was in the middle. Then the other one had just stuck their heads up out of the water from the east. And I'd seen something similar nine years before. Now look at this. Jesus said to me, you saw the same thing in 1970. I told you then exactly what they were, but you did not do what you should have done about it. I told you back in 1970 to pray for the leaders of the nation. What happened, which is the Watergate scandal in America and so forth, isn't all about the fault of a man who was then president. I am, now listen to this word Jesus told Brother Hagin, I am going to hold the Christians of this nation responsible. You're the ones who allowed what happened to your nation. If you had prayed, it would never have happened. I showed you what was about to happen. Go back and check. Later I went back. And check what the Lord has said to me in 1970 from tapes and manuscripts of a special meeting we had in October 1970. Jesus said to me back in 1970, you saw three similar dark objects come out of the Atlantic and leapfrog all the way across the land. Look at what the Lord told him. If you and the Christians have done what should, you should have done, none of these things would have happened to your nation. You would not have had the riots. You would not have had the political disturbances. Your president would not have made the mistakes he made. In fact, I'm holding the church responsible for his mistakes. I began to weep and cry. Oh God, yes, he said, I'm holding you and the church responsible. Then he said, when you tell that to some of the Christians, they would laugh, like some of you are laughing right now. But when they stand before my judgment seat and they receive the condemnation rather than the man who was then president, they will not laugh. Now, um, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was in a conference, uh, in an online conference, um, Faith Boss, and Reverend Patrick Caminetti from Rema, Australia was teaching. And he was talking about the time they were in prayer and healing school with Brother Hagen. And um, he felt the spirit of prayer come upon him. And he began to pray and began to pray and began to weep and began to mention the name of Ronald Reagan, the, one of the president of America. And they groaned and prayed in the spirit for hours. That particular period, the man just missed the attempted assassination at his life. You know, and what got to me why I decided to, to pick up this book and to share with you the truth from it is this. It says, I'm going to hold the church responsible. I believe that there are things that are happening in our city that shouldn't happen if the believers are praying. 
I mean, like on our island right now, I mean, this whole thing going on with people getting sick and being resistant to, to, to malaria treatment. And we're making the news. We're making the news for the wrong reasons, right? I mean, people are calling me, what's going on? What's going on? I believe that if the church is praying, we should make the news because there's a revival going on. We should make the news because there's healing going on. We should make the news because there's breakthrough going on. Praise God. And, and so, we don't just look at our city like, you know what, I don't care what happens. I don't care about these people. I'm living a comfortable life. No. The Lord holds us responsible for what goes on in our city. We shouldn't live, I mean, in getting myself ready for this teaching, I'm just saying, oh God, I mean, I can see myself in this picture. Like, oh God, I've failed in this aspect. I've, you know, for Christians, we don't pray until things start happening. Like, like, bam, the enemy gets into the land, crisis starts, war starts. They say, oh, let the church gather. Why aren't we always proactive? Why are we always reactionary? Why are we always on the defensive? Things start going worse, and then we start praying. No. Every day when we get up, we should pray for the nation we're in. We pray the plan of God. We pray the purpose of God. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Alright, now, um, I've got an interesting story here. I'll just talk about it briefly. You can go and research it out, but this is beautiful. It's about a city in Guatemala. It's called um, Almolanga. Now, it's a village in Guatemala, and it used to be, um, it was full of alcoholics, it was full of criminals, it was, there was so much darkness in that city. Then God called a man by the name of Riz Kajehe. The man began to intercede for that nation, and he prayed, he prayed for I mean, intercession was going on for 20 years. The power of God began to break out in that city. And the jails were shut down. Before, crowds used to gather every night to watch people who were alcoholics fighting. It came to a point where currently they just have maybe like 20 people in jail, 20 to 30 people in jail per month. Literally, the alcohol rate went down. And these, I mean, you can go online and just read the story. The whole, um, the whole documentary is there. Now, it impacted so much that their fruits began to grow in extra sizes. Their cabbage, their potatoes, their carrots. It grew larger in size than the surrounding villages. Now, scientists began to come in. Of course, they tried to find a scientific explanation for it because science will never agree that that's the power of God. And the thing I like about this is the, the little bars that used to be in the city, they had now become um, shops. And you would go, you would see like a Jehovah Jireh shop, you see New Jerusalem shop. Most of the shops in the city <clears throat> are named from names in the Bible because there have been a massive rapid conversion. Physical abuse is on the decrease. And, and, and the whole life of that community is so improved that literally news people go there to research. And most of the times when you ask the resident, they'll tell you, well, 
We do our fertilizers. We do the things we should do in the natural. But we also pray and we are blessed because Jesus has done this for us. I mean, you can go online and just Google about it and see how... I mean, I, I've watched the DVD before. Their carrots are extra large. Everything about that city becomes fruitful. And it's because in, in, in doing the research, they said well, it was a passion for the lost, for the alcoholics and the criminals in the city, 20 years of sustained intercession, persistent effort to reach the lost, a committed effort to disciple people, and a strong leadership. When we look up at what happened between Lot, Abraham, and the Lord, we realize that if there were ten righteous men in Sodom, Sodom would have been preserved. And that tells me something. Sometimes we look at ourselves like, you know, uh, there are too many sinners. We're not as right. We, we're not, we're not, uh, how do I put it now? We look at it like, you know, the righteous ones are the minority, but we're the ones that have power with God. And I want to really challenge you, right? To look upon your city, to look upon your streets, and begin to birth intercession. And, and I'm not telling you, you know, you just pray one day and come out and start looking like, oh, what's happening? Have they closed the bars? <laughs> they have not closed the bars. I mean, these guys are drunkards. It's not going to happen. No, they have to be sustained intercession. One of the things I like to say is this. God wants us to collaborate with Him to bear this kingdom. Praise God. Now, um, Let's go to Acts chapter, uh, Isaiah 62, verse 6 and 7. Glory to God. Isaiah 62, 6 and 7. It says, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourself no rest. And give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. And I'm just seeing this regarding our city here. That we continue persistent intercession until the narratives change. We pray for the city. We can't allow evil overrun us. We can't allow darkness overrun us. We can't allow the workers of iniquity overrun us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We should be able to come and lift up our city before the hand of God and pray and birth intercession and bad healings and bad revival and bad the young people come into church and you know stop things in the realm of the spirit. Glory to God. Now it says, I put watchmen on your walls. And imagine those watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem just looking at Jerusalem, like you know what? I don't know Jerusalem, these people are stubborn. <laughs> Jerusalem, ah man, that city harada run somewhere. Jerusalem is done for, nothing is going to happen. And meanwhile, these are the watchmen. Meanwhile, these are the people God is counting on to give him no rest until he bets um, that city as a praise on the earth. We should be known as an island of the world. We should be known as an island for miracles, signs and wonders. Glory to God. And, and, and how are we going to do that? Is by collaborating with God. To just, we're not just praying so that we get jobs. We're not just praying so that companies will come. We're not just praying so that more money will come. We're praying that the kingdom of God will come on the earth as it is in heaven. That every nation will become heaven on earth. You know, and I think sometimes, uh, 
eschatological doctrine has affected the way we see the earth, right? We don't see any good thing on the earth. We just want to, bam, get to heaven. I mean, most of us can't even wait. Like, God, blow the trumpet now, now. Do you need a new trumpet? We can buy a new trumpet for you. Just blow it. But the scripture says the meek shall inherit the earth. And you know what people want? It's like, okay, you know what? We're going to go to heaven. <laughs> and then we'll stay in heaven for, some people say 1,000 years. Some people say 600 years. Whatever number of years. We're going to stay. And God is now going to create a new earth. And create a new heaven. And then he's going to bring us to the new earth and the new heaven. You know what that is? You know, most of us have this kind of theology. We just don't want trouble. So we want that the earth is destroyed right now. God takes us out. Then uh, he creates a new earth and he brings us back. Then we destroy it again. He takes us out. And he creates a new earth. He brings us out. Come on, can we just for once grow up and have dominion over whatever God is placed in our hands? Because in Psalm chapter 115 verse 16, it says, The heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. Do you know that we have the authority to legislate and uh, we have the jurisdiction of God to cause this earth to flow in accordance with His power? If believers know how much power they have and they can wield in the place of prayer, we, we talked about this, the fervent prayer of a righteous man makes much power available. If we know how much power we have in the place of prayer, we would not stop praying. If we know that by positioning as, ourselves as watchmen over the city, and I'm going to show you this, as position, position ourselves as watchmen over the city, we can bring the hand of God upon the city, we can stop crime in our city, we can stop some things in the city, we will pray. But the truth of the matter is, we don't care for our city as much as we care for our own personal lives. All we just want is have our good buildings, have good security, you know, get a good job, drive into our house, lock the door, we're done with. And that's all. Our connection to our city is that we just make money from it. We don't love the city. We don't care about the city. And God says, you're going into exile. But I want you to pray for the city because the welfare of the city will become your welfare. Now we're all locked down. Because... The world is locked down. So everybody is locked down. Some people can't even go to jobs anymore because they're locked down. And that's what it, what it means. If, if we realize that whatever goes on, in, I mean, any government is bringing restrictions on churches. And, 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 I mean, they are in a place to do that right now. You can meet for two days. You can meet for 10 hours. You can meet for 30 minutes. You must not meet more than 40. Uh, if you if you want to preach, wear a mask. Uh, they can come tomorrow and say, well, you know what? We just discovered that the virus is attracted to white shirts. If you're going to church, no more white shirts. You know, you can come right now and say, well, the Holy Ghost said I should do a meeting without mask. You end up in jail. And what I'm trying to say is this, right? We need to realize, and I think this message is very important for a time like this. We need to realize that what goes on on the earth will affect the church. And so if we don't want certain things to come to pass, we need to get into the place of prayer. If we don't want certain things to happen on the earth, if we want the will of God to, we cannot take praying for a nation casually. You know, it's like you go up on a Sunday morning and say, well, let's pray for this nation. Let's oh, it's like, man, forget this nation. Nothing. Nothing is changing. I've seen believers exercise so much unbelief concerning their nation that even people who are not born again. But the scripture says, can a nation be born in a day? And the answer is yes, it can. How will it do that? Supernatural. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and he was telling me, you know, this Nigerian problem, it needs supernatural intervention. I said, exactly. That's why we're praying. That's why we're praying. 
Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, now let's go to Matthew 16. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God wants his will to be done on the earth. And that's why we're praying. We're praying the will of God to be done on the earth. We're praying the will of God to be done in our city. We, uh, I mean, if we were to write something about our city on social media, it would be hashtag, the will of God be done. God wants His will in the city. And we know the will of God. The first will of God is that all men be saved. So God wants rapid salvation on our island. Those of us here. God wants rapid salvation in our states. Praise God. And God wants rapid salvation in our nation. Glory, 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 glory to God. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. So, if we're praying also, we should make sure we're working righteously so we cannot be corrupt and be praying against corruption. A house divided against itself will not stand. So, sometimes the reason our prayers are ineffectual for the city is because we are also doing the things that, I mean, you cannot be an alcoholic and be praying for bars to close down. You know you don't mean that prayer because that's your source of uh, relaxation. So you can't pray against something you're involved in. I mean, it's like you're a believer, you're a Christian, and you still go out and, uh, I mean, hang around all kinds of red light districts. And they pray in the church and say, Father, let's pray. Let's pray for all the, whatever things going on in the city. Let's decree that those girls will, you know, just come into the saving knowledge of Jesus. You're going to be like, no, 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 don't save them. (laughs) Those are my customers. Don't save them. You're not going to pray and bet the will of God. Something you're engaged in. So that's why Jesus said, uh, the Lord said in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, let them, my people, he recognizes that they are his people, but they also have wicked ways. So he says, let my people turn from their wicked ways. So when we're praying for the city, we cannot pray against corruption and be corrupt. So for instance, I'm a pastor and I know that uh, a governor in my state did not win elections properly. It's clear everywhere. He, he, he got the, the seat of power uh, uh, with all kinds of stuff going on. And then because I'm a popular pastor, he writes to me and says, well, I want to come and do Thanksgiving in, in, my ch- in, in, in our church. And I say, well, I know if the governor comes to do Thanksgiving in our church, he's going to drop a large offering and uh, yeah, that's going to make us get some good cameras and finish our building and do some stuff. And I say, well, you can come and oh, we thank God for giving this governor victory. And you know, we prophesy over him, you're going to be great. You're the chosen of the Lord. I mean... After Jesus is you, you know, God loves you and all that. You know what's going to happen? Our prayers will not change anything in the city because we're liars and hypocrites. And the truth of the matter is that if pastors will stop being liars and hypocrites when it comes to politics, we can't actually begin to read some prayers. You know what? Because when it's, politic- when it's time for politics, then they invite you to the government house and give you some bags of money and... You see all kinds of stuff. You see all kinds of prophecy which are not true sometimes. And uh, you're praying for political candidates and blessing them and, and leaving the flock of Christ to go and just pastor 
president. Of course, there are people who are called to, to reach out to those people. But in, in the majority, it's just because of what can come from them. And so our mouth is shut. We cannot even say the truth when we find out that there's injustice in the society. And yet we want to raise prayer for the nation. I'm just talking about the reason why sometimes we pray a lot in this nation and things haven't changed. is because we need to turn from our wicked ways. If we don't turn from our wicked ways, we cannot birth revival. Praise God. Okay. Turn from their wicked ways, and I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and we heal their land. So you see that our turning from our wicked ways, our prayer affects our land. That's the connection I wanted to see. Our prayer will affect our land. Glory to the name of the Lord. Okay. So let me, let me, let me say this now. In First Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, it says, As for me, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord. This was Samuel speaking. By failing to pray for you. And I'll teach you the way that is good and is right. So Samuel said, listen. Let it, let it be. It's, it's a sin for me not to pray for you. Okay? Now, I want you to go to, to uh, 1 Samuel 7. Let me show you something here. First Samuel 7. And verse 1. I like this. Now when the Philistines heard the sons of Israel had gathered to Mitzpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the sons of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Then the sons of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Look at this. And Samuel cried to the Lord for Israel. And the Lord answered him, now Samuel was offering the bond offering and the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day against the Philistines and confused them so they were routed before Israel. The men of Israel went out, out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines struck them down as far as below Bethka. You see what is happening here. The Philistines came against the children of Israel and they cried out to the Lord and Samuel began to intercede for them. Samuel began to pray for them. But this is what I like. This is what I like. Verse 12 and 13. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Look at verse 13. So the Philistines were subdued and they did not come anymore within the border of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. What a profound testimony. What a profound testimony. Since all the days of Samuel, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. Because one man stood in the place of prayer, in that priestly office of prayer, the hand of the enemy <clears throat> was subdued, was, was held back all the days of his life. Can it be said about us that all the days of our existence, certain things didn't happen in our city? Can it be said about us that all the days of our existence, certain things didn't happen in our streets? And this is very practical, right? This, 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 this thing is very practical. Don't go about praying for, you're praying for the nations of the world, it's good. Take your street, right? Take your street. You find out something that's not right in your street, take it. Take it as a prayer project. Let me get a prayer by it. Amen. I, I did that. We did that in our former compound that we stayed. Myself and my wife were staying there. And then uh, a, a guy came to start, start a bar on, in there. Just place where drinking and all, all sort of things were going on. I mean, we took it up. As a prayer project, we prayed. We just prayed salvation for everybody coming in there. We prayed. And, and the thing is not doing as well as it should do. Glory to God. It's not booming. Shouldn't boom. 
Glory to God. There are certain things we shouldn't allow to experience increase on our streets. We shut them down in prayers. In the name of Jesus. You're not functioning here. Because their fathers are going to become alcoholics. Wife beaters are going to come there and relax after batching their wives at night. And we're not just going to look over it and say, you know what, these people are crazy people, sinners. No. We, we have to pray for them. We have to pray for them. We cannot allow, you know, <laughs> this is the case, right? When, so, when Lot went to Sodom, the Bible says the righteous soul of, of, soul of Lot was tormented. You see, some of us, we are in places where our souls are tormented. The music we hear, the dance we hear, the things we see. Our righteous soul is tormented and we are bearing the torment. No, it should lead you a burden for the work, for salvation, to go forth and for the message to spread. Hallelujah. For the message to spread. We see gambling spots all over the city. That Take that as a prayer assignment. Because their young people are just going to miss their way. So, you see, there's a lot of work for us to do, right? Other than just waiting to go to heaven. We can actually begin to bring heaven on earth. Because the Bible wants our days to be as the days of heaven and earth. Not just prosperity, but in manifestation and in reality. So, few few points here. Try to understand the history of your city, its growth pattern, why is it growing, who are the immigrants to the city, where do they settle, where do they walk. Find out some basic things about your city. Understand the map, the different areas. Um, what are the what are the red light districts in your city? Where are the where 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 are the criminals located? Where is the place where nobody goes? Even the police is scared of going there. Take the names of those places and begin to pray. Begin to send the word of God and the light of God's spirit upon those places. Where uh, uh, you know, just find out a lot a lot more. Where are the power centers? Political figures, police department, religious leaders, media outlets, centers of commerce and finances. Explore these areas and begin to speak God's word over them. Begin to pray over them. You know, understand the spirituality of your city. Like in our city, something we need to pray about very strongly is what goes on December period. Where people just go to all kinds of places and do all kinds of stuff. You know, if we're not careful, we just accept it as normal life. We just say, oh, you know, that's what happens. That's it. That's just what happens. That's their life. No. We need to find out what are the trajectory. What are the things that are very prominent in our city uh, that fights against the word of God. Like, like, like in our city here, uh, cohabitation is normal. And that's not something we need to deal with. Because when people also come from outside, they pick on that spirit and they live that life. And you realize that even when a righteous single girls want to get married, you know, then they're offering them cohabitation as a proof or as a test of the, what's that now? Like, yeah, you come and stay for some time and then we'll begin to talk business. <laughs> and, and, and we will normalize sin and put it as culture. And even Christians now come to a place where they don't see anything wrong with it. If you rebuke somebody concerning that, they're going to feel, wow, you're too harsh. And the reason is because we've allowed the cultural influence to prevail and dictate what the word of God is. So, every city has got something that's prominent, alright? There are some cities that uh, it's just fatherlessness. There's so, such a high rate of fatherlessness. Fathers don't just stay at home. 
You need to pick these things and pray about them. We don't need to complain about these things. We need to pray about them. For some places, it's teenage pregnancy. For some places, it's crime rate. I remember a woman that Bill Winston was sharing about in her street. There was so much gang violence. She was not very educated. So much gang violence going on. And she met uh, a minister of God and said, I want to do something about this. I can't fight these boys. I'm not educated. What am I going to do? And then, because she wasn't so educated, the minister, you know, uh, told her to, to take a bottle of anointing oil and pray over that place and anoint the place. And this woman got a huge, you know, the minister told her to do it once. You know, but, you know, when you're persistent about change, this lady didn't hear clearly what the minister said about doing it once. She went to buy large quantities of oil. And she thought, the minister said, do it until you see change. So you know what this woman was doing? Every night she would get up. Every day, sorry, not night, because night was very dangerous. She would get up, walk around the neighborhood, point oil, and speak in God's word, and speak in God's word, and speak in God's word. Five years down the line, the place was completely gang-free. Just power of intercession. And what I'm teaching you tonight is not for lazy Christians. We're going to like, yes, Lord, we agree, we're going to pray. And they pray today, and pray on Friday, and pray Saturday, and by Monday... Like, man, you know what? I don't care what happens in this city. I just want to get the visa and run out. The people were going to stay in the place of prayer until the change of God is birthed. Until the thing that God has showed them in their spirit is better. I believe that if every believer in this city will take a point, will take an issue, will take something and stay in the place of prayer, we'll begin to see changes. And even if you do it in your city, you do it in your neighborhood and begin to stay in the place of prayer consistently and persistently, Take the word of God. Speak it over the city. Prophesy it over the city. Give him no rest until he makes that city a praise on the earth. Things will begin to happen. Speak over the crime rate. Speak over the rise of occultism. Speak over the, the rise of perversion. And begin to take authority over the spirit that seeks to influence the leaders and the people around. And if we will take our place in the city, God is going to grant us absolute and total victory. I want to pray for you today. And I challenge you. Take up your city in prayer. Take up your city in prayer. And I've got testimonies and testimonies of people. Um, you can look at the case of Uganda, Robert Kayanja, and all the whole Uganda people when AIDS were ravaging that nation and they got up and began to pray. The AIDS rate literally began to drop down. You see, things can be birthed in the realm of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And we ask, O oh God, that you would raise up. Raise every one of us up as intercessors for our city. That in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ... You will give us the power and the grace to just persist in the place of prayer. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.